0: Lord God, we take these things that we carry with us, grief or pain, wounds, brokenness, whatever it is that we carry with us that is not of you, Lord, we take these things that weigh us down, make it so that we don't live fully, Lord, we take them off and we place them at your feet, and we thank you that you welcome that, that you, you ask us to give that offering to you, and you are able to do with the unthinkable. You're able to take these broken offerings, these broken things we lay at your feet, and you're able to turn them into blessings and to turn them into hope and healing and life for the world. And so, God, we, we pray that in this time that we're here in worship, that we would hear your voice clearly and distinctly speaking into those areas of darkness within our souls and that we would allow your light to shine deeply within us that we would trust you, that you, you have the power to bring about life. And so we pray this in Jesus' holy name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Please have a seat. Thank you. And Ben and I got the This Is Love t-shirts on. I like it. Twinsies. Besties. No, I don't know what we call it. But they've got a kind of heart on them that's, uh, you know, ashy. Besties have like Half of oh. the heart is on my oh, shirt yeah. and half is on yours. <laughs> yeah, I'm with him? Yeah, we'll, is that something like that? I don't, we'll mm, get him ordered. I don't know, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so, so this is the series, it's, this is love, um, and the symbol of the series is this, this heart that is shaped by ashes. And um, it's partly because we're ending the series on Valentine's Day, which is also Ash Wednesday this year, which is pretty cool. And so we'll have a worship service in here. And every Ash Wednesday, uh, there are churches all over the world that have performed this kind of ritual where people come forward and they, they take ashes and they have them placed on their forehead in the shape of the cross. And the words that are said to people when they receive these ashes, that are, the, the ashes are actually made from the palm branches that were waved at the previous Palm Sunday. To remember that, yeah, people were cheering when Jesus went into Jerusalem, but like those same people were saying crucify crucify him like, like five days later. And so those palm branches are brought into worship and play, the cross is put on the forehead of the people who receive the ashes. It's a beautiful service. And as that's done, the person who does the cross usually says these words, from dust you have come and to dust you shall return. Or another way that people may be more familiar with it is from ashes to ashes and dust to dust. And, and the beautiful thing for that, for us as a community, is that's not the end of the story. That, that we are not just ashes. That we are more than that. Actually, uh, the scripture that, that has been the foundational scripture for this series is from the letter to the Johannine community, the first letter of John, uh, verse uh, chapter 4, verse 16. And it's these words. It's, God is love, and those who abide in love... Abide in God, and God abides in them. You see what we proclaim and what we know from from the Bible is that we are not just ash, that we are not just dust, but there is more, and that we are made in the image of God, and that we actually are are not just the image bearers of God, but we are the temple of the Holy Spirit of God, and so there's more to the story than just the ashes and so today we are talking about we're going to jump jump into the deep end of this is love. We are going to dig deep into this scripture, and we are, um, are going to recognize that Jesus had moments in his life when the love um, the love looked different than you would have thought love would have looked like. Uh, we, we tend to think that love is only like, you know, roses on Valentine's Day, but we find from the Bible that love is a lot more than that. And so this is the story, it starts in the Gospel of John chapter 11, and it's a big chunk of scripture, but it's an amazing story. And it starts with these words, now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the, of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. And it says these words, Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was ill. Now, we know that Lazarus and Mary and Martha weren't just normal people. They weren't just certain people in the life of Jesus. Lazarus was Jesus's bestie. I don't know. How do you say, like, best friends? you say bestie or something like that? They were best friends, and Jesus was best friends with Martha and with Mary, And and the scripture is telling us here that, remember Mary, she's the one who's famous because she walked into a dinner party when Jesus was having dinner with people, and she took a big bottle of very, very expensive perfume, and she knelt down at Jesus's feet, and she poured the perfume on his feet, and then she cleaned his feet with her own hair. And the people around Jesus were saying, don't let her do that because for one, the perfume could be used to buy food for the poor and the hungry people. And and it, all Jesus saw was the criticism of these people at what this woman was doing from her heart. And Jesus said, would you just, this is not love that you think it is, but this is love. This is real love. This is a portrait of love that you're not used to, but this is what it looks like when people encounter God. And so this is the, these are the people, Mary and, and Martha and Lazarus. And the scripture says these words. So the sisters sent a message to Jesus, Lord, he whom you love is ill. Now, I don't know, how do you refer to your best friend? Do you call your best friend BFF? Anybody do that? Yeah, I see a couple of you. Anyway, who, who does bestie? Is there another word that you use for your best friend? I think my, my wife did, was it peace or pea or something, sweet pea or something? Oh long story right sorry <laughs> she has a best friend and they, they would like be they'd be like peas in a pod or something like that but i like that people referred to jesus's best friend they knew to refer to jesus's best friend as the one that jesus loves doesn't that tell you tell you a lot about what kind of best friend jesus was that his love was just evident it was obvious to everybody and then it goes on to say in this scripture it says these words um But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. Rather, it is for God's glory so that the Son of Man may be glorified through it. And accordingly, though Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus, and her sister and Lazarus, notice that the scripture is very clear. It wants to describe to you how much Jesus loves these people. And that is, the, that is the best way to describe his relationship to them. It says, even though he loved them, after having heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Now, that's crazy because he just found out that his best friend is really, really sick, and he has the power to heal him, but he doesn't go anywhere. But we're going to find out why in a little bit. It goes on to say, Af- Then after, after this, Jesus after the two days, Jesus said to his disciples, Let us go to Judea again. This is go to go to see Lazarus, and the disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now trying to stone you; they were trying to kill you. Are you going to go there again? And Jesus answered, I, This sounds like almost like farmer Jesus in a way. Jesus answered, Aren't there twelve? Aren't there not? Are there not twelve hours of daylight? You know, just like, come on, what guys? Pull up your britches. Let's get going. Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Those who walk during the day do not stumble. Because they see the light of this world, but those who walk at night stumble because the light is not in them. Actually, uh, Jesus was referred to as the light of the world. He told his disciples, I am the light of the world. And actually, he's drawing a stark contrast, which is really important as you read this story. It's important that you hear Jesus's words. There is a difference between light and dark, that there are dark people. There are people who actually have their hearts set on killing Jesus, it's hard even to wrap your mind around that. But there's people who are like, just wish that Jesus never existed, that if they could just get rid of Jesus, everything would be better for them. And he says, that is darkness. Those are the people who walk in the darkness. And he said, but, but then he said, those, who, those people who walk in the day, who walk with the light of God in their life, they will not stumble. So he's also telling them, don't be afraid. But the scripture goes on to say these words. After, he, after saying this, he told them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to awaken him. Now the disciples said to him, Well, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, do you really need to go uh, sacrifice your whole entire life by (laughs) putting us all in danger? Uh, Do you really need to go see him? He's going to be fine. And Jesus, however, um, had been speaking about his death. But they, they thought... And the scripture might have slid in there the words they thought because they were kind of dumb uh, that he was referring merely to sleep. A, a kind of normal way in, in uh, Judaism was to refer to someone as sleeping when they died. And so, um, so Jesus, it says these words, Jesus told them plainly because they were knuckleheads, Lazarus is dead. For your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe. Do you see how important it is that, that, that his disciples believe? That's very important to him. But let us go to him. Thomas, who was called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. And I I love in Thomas's little comment, you start to sense that that weight that is starting to be borne by the disciples, that sense of of skepticism and pessimism. And also, they just found out that someone really important to them in their life had just passed away. And the scripture says these words, when Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. So we know that the reason Jesus hung out and he stayed for two more days is because Lazarus was already dead, right? No hurry. But he knew that. So he didn't rush to, hurt, to help Lazarus because, you know, he wasn't getting any worse. He wasn't getting any better, right? And so this is what the scripture says. It says, now Bethany, where Lazarus' home was, was near Jerusalem, some two miles away. And many of the city folk, the Jews, had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. Quite a scene had developed. A lot of people were gathering together. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. And while Mary stayed at home. So I think Mary is in so much grief um, that they're just letting Mary be in her place of grief while while Martha goes off and talks to Jesus. And and it says these words. uh, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. What a kind of a guilt trip on Jesus, don't you sense that a little bit? But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. And Jesus said to her, "Your brother will rise again." And Martha said to him, "I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day." And Jesus said to her, "I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they will even though they die, they will live." And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? That's important to him again, isn't it? And she said, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. You know, at the beginning of this, Jesus says, hey, you know what? Uh, He's going to rise again. And Martha says to Jesus, yeah, yeah, I know he's going to rise again in the resurrection, in the future. I know that he's not just ashes. I know that he's not just dust. And that's when Jesus does this amazing thing and stands in front of Martha and he says, I am the resurrection. You're looking at it. You're looking at the truth of who who God is. You know, um, the Bible teaches us that God is love and those who abide in love abide in God. Yes. But the Bible also teaches us that Jesus is God. And Jesus is the full manifestation, the perfect manifestation of all of who God is because Jesus is God. And therefore, Jesus is in totality love. There's no fuller manifestation or or visualization or representation of love than Jesus Christ, ever. And so Jesus Christ, who is love, is standing in front of Martha, and he is saying, I am the resurrection. And, And then we get back to that little piece that we are the image bearers of God that we are the brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ and if we want to know more about ourselves then we need to focus on Jesus if we want to know more about love which is the essence we want to know about more about God and our purpose then we focus and hear the words of Jesus Christ standing in front of us saying I am this would this would have been referred to as one of the great I am statements, which is what God said to Moses, right? Yahweh, I am. Ego ami is the Greek. It says these words, when Martha had said this, when she told him, I believe, she went back and called her sister Mary and told her privately. So she had a private conversation with Mary and she said, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when Mary heard it, she got up quickly and she went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come to the village but was still at the place where Martha had met him on the outside of town. And the Jews who were with her in the house consoling her saw Mary get up quickly and go out. She just ran out of the room when she heard this news. They followed her because they thought she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, She knelt at his feet. Don't you love Mary? She's always doing this. She's always kneeling at the feet of Jesus. If you see see Martha and Mary, you know the story of Martha and Mary where Martha and Mary are in the house and Jesus is teaching and Martha's out doing all the chores and Mary, what is she doing? She's at the feet of Jesus. That's where you find Mary. And in this moment, you find Mary at the feet of Jesus and she is weeping inconsolably. She says these words while she's kneeling at his feet. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And the scripture says, when Jesus saw her weeping, he looks down and he sees her weeping. And the Jews who came with her also weeping. He was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. The word deeply disturbed or greatly disturbed is actually a word, it's, called, it's up here, it's embrymaomai embrameomai, which, and you're like, oh, that clears things up a lot, James. Thanks. See you later. Have a nice day. (laughs) Embrameomai is actually the same word that you would use for the snorting of a horse, (laughs) but not like the, you know, that's not what he's doing. (laughs) This is, this is anger. This is fury. This is, he is very, he's livid because what he's seeing is he's seeing the brokenness because this is not God's plan. You see, the death that is existing, the grief that is existing, that has never been God's plan for this world, and that's not what God wanted ever. And so Jesus is seeing this, and he's angry at what he's seeing because there's death, but there's also the one behind the death, the darkness, the dark one, the evil one, They would seek to, to bring about darkness and not light. And Jesus is angry. You know, when, when, um, when some of the pastors from this church were called this last week about this poor family that lost both of, both of their daughters in a car accident, um, you don't really know what to do. And so you just pray with them and stand there and care for them as much as you can. And then when we got back to the car, um, I was with Katie, I got in her car. Uh, we shut the doors and... I think I surprised her a little bit because I just cussed really loud. And I said to her, and I just remember this from the past, sometimes the most pastoral thing you can do rather than trying to rationalize or make everything try to make sense is just to swear. Not all the time. <laughs> that's why, that's why we, these words lose their power because... There's times when anger is the appropriate reaction and we have permission to be angry. Jesus gives us permission. We are called to walk like Jesus and when you see Jesus with anger at the death of the world, we can have that righteous anger. And when we have that anger, we can actually say this crazy thing. This is love. Because we know that Jesus is the total manifestation of all love in the world. And so then we are starting to have our hearts put in the right place about what love really, really is and how it stands in relation to our pain, our brokenness, our grief. But that's not, and you know, have you ever seen caricatures of Jesus? I mean, it's crazy. Like, like I think some people land on thumbs up Jesus. Do you know what thumbs up Jesus is? (laughs) Now thumbs up Jesus is not a totally incorrect caricature of who Jesus is or description, but it's, Definitely not a portrait, okay? <laughs> but you know, the thing is, I think a lot of people land on thumbs up Jesus and they think that's just who Jesus is. And he was, he told funny jokes. He was a, he was a great guy. He made people feel fantastic when they were around him. But there's also this, this image of Jesus that I think is the lion, that is Jesus who is, who is righteous, who is, who is not happy, who is full of anger at the, the, the way that the world has gone and the pain and the suffering that people are going through. Don't forget that this is also a picture of love that we tend to forget. Jesus said to the people there, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And this is where we get the shortest verse of the Bible, two words, Jesus wept. He just cried. Crocodile tears, heaving and sobbing. He just cried. And here we also see such a beautiful portrait of love. To cry, the Bible teaches us, weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. And I love this next sentence that says, so the Jews said, see how he loved him they're seeing such depth of love that Jesus has but some of them said could he not could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying and then Jesus again greatly disturbed filled with anger came to the tomb and it was a cave it was a stone was lying against it and Jesus said take away the stone And Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench because he has been dead for four days. And Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here so that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, He cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. His hands and his feet were bound with strips of cloth and his face wrapped in a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. If there's anything that you need to hear today from this scripture about love, I want you to hear this Jesus loves you. I don't want that to be trite either. I want you to see this image of Jesus who is the best friend of Lazarus. And everybody who saw the way that Jesus connected with Lazarus said, oh man, that's the guy he loves. And then when they described Jesus' relationship with Martha and Mary, they said, oh, Jesus loves them so much. But that's not the end of it. The reality is that Jesus loves you. He is with you and he stands next to you when you weep and he, stand, and, he, and, he, and he possesses this great anger for the things that come crashing into your world that seek to bring darkness into your heart and your mind and to rip your heart into two. That's not what Jesus wants for you. And I think today what I want you to consider is that each one of us will probably, most definitely have a little part of our heart that is covered up by a stone. The world has given up on that part of you or maybe they've convinced you that there can be no life in that area of your life. And so there's just been this stone rolled away and you say, I've given up on that. And what God, I believe, is saying to you and to each one of us is first, do the hard work of rolling away the stone. And that takes a lot of faith because it's not easy to start to roll away the stone so that the light of God can come in and so that you can hear this spoken to you. Your name plus the words come out to allow the life and the love of God to, to, to be proclaimed, to be preached to that lifeless area of you and to know that God can bring newness where otherwise there would be none. And the death is never their last word. That's not the final word for Jesus. And I pray that in some way, in some, maybe it will be through the coffee, maybe someone will stick around and shake your hand today. And I want you to recognize that Jesus is saying to you, not just in this moment, but in the next moment, in the next moment, in the next hour, and the next day, I am the resurrection and the life. He's standing in front of you, He's standing beside you, and you don't have to look any further than Jesus. There's nowhere else you have to look in life. You just have to hear these words. Everyone who believes in Jesus Christ, even though they they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in Jesus will never die. Let's pray. Stand, will you? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we know that we're standing before you and um, and the scripture just calls us to kneel, really, so many ways, and um, we pray that in our hearts and our minds, we would, we would still kneel before you, taking all of the things that we have in our life and placing them with all our trust at your feet. We thank you that you look with us, look down on us, and see our brokenness, and you're angry about that, because that's not what you wanted for us, and you weep with us, because you care that much about us, and you care that deeply for us, and you are our best friend. And so, God, we pray that, um, pray that we would trust you so much that we would be willing to roll away that stone today and that we would allow our hearts to receive the light of your love. And that we would, uh, for those of us that have been walking in darkness, that we would make those bold steps to, to follow you. And to know that wherever we follow you, our our eyes, our hearts will be filled with light because you are the light of the world. And so God, we pray for those who are in pain or grief. We pray for those for whom uh, areas of grief or pain have been resurfacing um, and wounds have kind of manifested their ugly heads. And so God, we we pray that you would um, unleash an avalanche of healing and hope. That we would all grieve deeply. That we would, we, would, we would receive the depth of your love for us. And that we know that you have the power to resurrect. Not just in the future, but right now. And so God, we thank you for that truth. And we thank you for the truth that, that we are not just ash. We are not just dust. But that you loved us so deeply and so passionately. You came so that we could live forever in your love. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. And this.